have the teens dismissed. The rest of us, let's turn to Psalm 51 as we're just going through some psalms on Sunday night. Psalm 51. And this is a rather famous psalm. This is the psalm that David wrote in response to his sin with Bathsheba being exposed and finally coming to God and making things right with God. Uh, We read these events and uh, we find that, you know, uh, basically just parts of a chapter will cover this. But this story of David and Bathsheba uh, was nearly a year in duration from beginning to end. The child had already been born before uh, Nathan had put his finger in the face of David and exposed his sin for what it was. Let me tell you, it's a miserable time when a Christian tries to hide sin in their heart and refuses to get right with God. Yet, that's where the king was. And as the leader is, so are the people. It was a time when things were just not the way they should have been in the palace. And, you know, not everybody knew why. David knew why. But most of the time, when we're trying to hide something, especially like what David was trying to cover up, It takes all of your energy and you don't even notice that you're dragging down, as David was, the entire nation with him. And we're just going to read through the psalm and then we'll go back and try to pick up a few of the highlights here tonight. Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. Thou God of my salvation and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord... Open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. 
Do good in thy pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering, and with whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. Now, this is a psalm that has gotten quite a bit of attention. Uh, It's certainly more famous than many others simply because it is David's plea to God for forgiveness from sins. And we come here, and it's interesting, if we'll just remember Sunday sermon a couple weeks back, have mercy on me, O God. That's David's first plea. How do you get mercy? Mercy is received by the defeated at the hand of the victor. Now, God is always victorious, amen? And when we are defeated because of sin, and when we are uh, uh, taken back with our own falseness and our own wicked heart leads us astray, we come to Him for mercy. It says He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, did David escape from his sin? Did he get off, as we might say, scot-free without any ramification? No, sin always brings judgment. David would see the death of the child that was born because of the adultery. But he would see the death of three other, well, two other sons, and his eldest living son would die shortly after David did because of his uh, intentions to usurp the throne. It's interesting in the Old Testament law, if you stole something, you paid back fourfold. David caused though he did not do it with his own hand, Uriah, to lose his life. And David paid back fourfold. You're not going to get away with sin. But if you look at this psalm, the biggest part of this psalm, the the theme where David spends his most time is on the inward relationship between he and God. He says his first plea is for mercy. And that mercy he asks for is according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Does that not describe God? Is he not loving kindness and tender mercy? And David comes before God and asks that God would blot out his transgression Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before not thee. Because your sin is not ever before God. Because when he forgives, he removes it. But that doesn't mean it's not going to be there to bother you. I've heard many people say over the years, well, I can forgive other people, but I can't forgive myself. Oh, wait a minute here. 
if God has forgiven you, are you going to argue with God, my friend? You'd better not. But God wants us to acknowledge our sins and to bring them before Him. And, and I've often uh, discussed this and people say, but, but pastor, I'm saved. I've uh, given all my sins to God and I still sin. But here's where we start. How many sins did Jesus pay for on the cross? All of them, every one. Somebody gave me a book several years ago and said, Pastor, something's wrong with this book. I don't know what it is. Well, I just was reading through the summary, and in the summary of the book, the author said, God has forgiven all your sins. Stop worrying about it. You don't have to go back and confess your sins. Just live your life. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why? Right here, David said, I acknowledge my sin. It is important when we understand what we've done wrong to bring it before God and confess it. The world has great problems with guilt. Well, you know how you get rid of guilt? Is you confess your sins to God and trust His forgiveness. And He takes the guilt away. Amen? It's not being swept under the carpet. It was forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. And verse 4 is kind of a strange verse because David says, Against thee, thee only, have I sinned. Well, what about the sin against Uriah? What about the sins against Bathsheba? And what about the sins against his family and, and the promises that he had made? Well, you have to understand something. Until you get it taken care of between you and God, nothing else is ever going to be right. You first sin against God. You know, Sometimes you're dealing with people and they'll say, but I'm not sinning. I haven't done anything wrong. Well, wait a minute. You have to break the first commandment before you break any of the others. Thou shalt not have any gods, any other gods before me. When we make a choice to write our will over God's, what have we done? We've put ourselves in the place of God. You break that. That is the most broken commandment. When we choose to do something that is wrong, we in essence put ourselves upon the throne of God because nobody does that which is wrong in their own eyes. We do that which is right. We always justify our wrong before we do it. Now, don't look at me like, eh, well, you know. Go home and take inventory. It happens now, doesn't it? And David is explaining that. Because there is something here that we'll miss. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest 
and clear when thou judgest. Uh, Philip, don't wake him up. He's making a much bigger scene there. Just let him go. We'll wake him up after church. The preaching, anybody has a question about how sweet the preaching is, just talk to Joey. He's asleep. I just uh, put him right to sleep. So, uh, But let's get back to our subject here. How many of you remember Jimmy Swaggart? The preacher that sinned. And it was interesting, before Jimmy Swaggart got caught, not before he sinned, because that was a big, long thing. That was a lifelong problem he had. But before he got caught, he used to preach on the damnable heresy of eternal security. That if you believe that you're once saved, that you're always saved. Once he got caught, then, I wouldn't have believed this if I hadn't heard it with my own ears, uh, then he began, well, I understand what the Baptists mean by eternal security. You see, everybody else lost their salvation when they did wrong, but he didn't lose his. Uh, let me tell you, no one that has true Bible salvation has ever lost their salvation. But sometimes we get confused and we begin to... Make people think that God just excuses sin. That's what David's talking about here, that thou mightest be clear. He wants the message and the holiness of God to remain intact, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest. God has a right to condemn every sin. Amen? And he is very clear. God does, did not lower his standard for David. David transgressed God's law. But God did not judge David because he could see down through the years to the day when it would be God's son hanging on a cross. That's where sin is paid for. Amen. God forgives our sin based upon the finished work of Christ. He doesn't just sweep it under the carpet or pretend it didn't exist or say we'll just clean the books. God pays for every sin and we have to understand that when we sin, we first and only sin against God. Other people suffer, yes, but our sin is against God. And that is where we need to go. And one of the, um, then David starts in verse 5, and he's not making an excuse here. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. David is just making a simple statement of truth. We all have that sin nature, do we not? But look at the next verse. Remember, this is poetry. David is contrasting these ideas. He's going to contrast these two. Behold, in verse 6, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. He said, I was born a sinner. I was raised a sinner. I am a sinner. And by the way, we're all sinners. As the songwriter wrote, saved, 
by grace. Amen? But what God is interested in is what's going on in your heart. And David said, God is going to make things clean inside first. He's going to straighten this out. And then I'll know wisdom. And he says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Okay. And hyssop. Okay, I guess everybody else is in the teens. All right. Uh, Hyssop is an interesting little weed, actually, uh, that grows in the land of Israel. And uh, its first mention in the Bible is the Passover. That was the branch that they were supposed to use. Uh, You could get some hyssop together, kind of like the farmers used to do with corn or a straw and make a broom. It was just simply one of those little handy-dandy weeds that grew, and they would take the hyssop, dip it into the blood, and that's what they were to paint the blood on the doors with during the Passover. It was also during the cleansing of the leper. Hyssop. The blood of the dead bird that was to be killed and running water were all to be mixed together and uh, poured on top of uh, the living bird. Or actually, the living bird was supposed to be dipped in that water. And the idea here is, David is saying, just like we paint the blood on the door Passover, just like the leper is sprinkled with the water of cleansing during his time of being brought back into uh, society as a whole. Lord, I want you to bring me back that I may live for you. That is the picture that is there. The leper was unclean. He says, wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Several songs written out of this psalm here says, make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Now remember, this is a psalm. But how many of you have ever gotten out of fellowship with God? And you didn't get back right away. It just kind of rankered in your soul and you were maybe affected by bitterness and other things. It's no different than the healing that takes place after a broken bone. I mean, it just hurts. It hurts a long time. It takes time. And David is saying, I'm looking forward to that time when I can rejoice in the Lord once again. And he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. I can't help but thinking as he is writing these words that the idea and the life of King Saul wasn't going through David's mind and through his heart. God had rejected Saul from being king. Now, some people use Saul and try to say that Saul lost his salvation because God took the Holy Spirit uh, direction from him. But if you'll remember the night before Saul died... Samuel said, tomorrow you and your sons are going to be with me. I believe we'll see King Saul in heaven. But he is 
not going to be one of the most happy people there because of the sin and his disobedience. And, and David was saying, I don't want to be put on the shelf like Saul was. And David was not, but David would reap the benefits, we might say, of this sin right up until his dying day. I mean, his, his tomb was barely closed when Solomon had to put Adonijah, his eldest son, to death for creating problems toward the throne. Then we've got this last part here. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto me. Unto thee, I'm sorry. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. Thou God of my salvation and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou, desire, for thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. And I don't know how many times I've come here when someone is facing a major problem in their life, a major sin that they have allowed. Let me tell you something. If God forgave David, can he forgive you? That's what he's talking about here. We do not rejoice in the sin. The writer of Romans took care of that. But we rejoice in the fact that God will not take away our salvation. Amen. And if he has forgiven David, he can forgive you. That doesn't mean there won't be ramifications, my friend. But you will not lose you cannot lose your salvation. It is not the blood of the animals on the sacrifice, that, on the altar, that take away sin. It is the sacrifice of Christ, and here's how God wants us to receive it. Verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Now, sometimes people get the idea, and we even do this with our little children. Are you sorry for what you did? Say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Are they sorry? No. Listen, that's not what David is talking about here. Do you remember what happened when you got saved? You gave up, didn't you? You realized you couldn't do it yourself. You know, as a Christian, that's where we need to go. On a regular basis, we need to be reminded. And these are the sacrifices that God will accept. And we come here to these last two verses. It says, Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion, Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. David was praying for his kingdom. He said, God, it was you that anointed me as king. No, it was not God that was responsible for David's sin. David was. But David says, I've made 
right with you, and I'm asking you to establish the kingdom over which you have made me king. If there's any hope for our country, it's not in the election. But let me tell you, you better vote. And if you are a citizen, you ought to vote. If you're not a citizen, you ought not to vote. That's against the law. I talking with one, but they let me in. I don't care. Uh, I wouldn't let you in if I when I'm working for the board of elections. If I, but the simple truth of the matter is, if you want God to bless this country, it's only when God's people deal with their sin. We live in such a worldly society. Do you know average Christians do things today that 20 years ago not even the worldly people would do? People who call themselves Christians and give testimony of salvation have rock concerts in their church on Sunday mornings. I don't even comprehend how that fits together. It makes no sense to me. I mean, when I was a kid, the only people that went to rock concerts were people that wanted to be immoral and get high. Uh, That's what they were for. Now, I'm not saying that they do that at churches today. But I'll tell you what, it's many of the same people. In fact, in one article that I read, it says... It's all the fun without any of the guilt. That's not what worshiping God is about. If we want God to build the walls of Jerusalem to bless the kingdom, we've got to deal with our personal sin. That broken and contrite spirit, God will not refuse. Then we come down to verse 19. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering, with whole burnt offerings. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. We like to start with the externals and work inside. You know, that's what psychology is all about. If we can straighten up the outside and keep you from killing people or killing yourself, everything is okay, right? No, God wants to start on the inside. Then when things are right on the inside, it has to be right on the outside. But it's not, it's not, this is not a mathematical equation. It doesn't work backwards. Because you can have everything right on the outside and be all messed up on the inside. Now, can't you? And this is what David is saying. God, I'm not going to ignore the sacrifices. I'm not going to ignore the law. I'm not going to ignore all of those things. But I got to get it right on the inside before you will accept the outward things. And this is what the picture that God wants us to live for him. You do not have to do what David did to need Psalm 51. Amen? 
Any sin breaks our relationship with God. We need to acknowledge it. Don't wait until Nathan the prophet shows up. Get on your knees before a holy God. That broken and contrite spirit and realizing that God did not forgive you for your sins so you can go out and do some more. God forgave you for your sins so that you can use the life that you have to serve Him. Get it right on the inside. God will take care of the outside. Inside is right. The outside has to be right. If you're sitting there looking in the mirror and saying, well, the outside's not very good, but at least I love God in my heart. Mm -mm. Can't have that. If you're right on the inside, you, you must be right on the outside. That's what David is saying here. When I've got made things right with God, then there's going to be joy in the sacrifices. Then there's going to be God's blessing from obedience to his word. And this is where every one of us want to live, is it not? But where do we start? Well, we go back to verse 1. Have mercy. Lord, I'm not trying to cover it up anymore. I surrender. Lord, I understand your loving kindness is there. Your tender mercies are there. You have promised them in your word. God, I was born a sinner. But that's no excuse. I want you to make things right on the inside. And I'm going to take the time to grow and to do things right so that I can have the joy of thy salvation and then the sacrifices and the externals will be acceptable unto God. This is Psalm 51. It is a wonderful, wonderful psalm, one that we need to go through and remind ourselves because it is so easy to just say, okay, God, I confess that sin. Let's move on. No. Create in me a clean heart. Purge me with hyssop like they did with the leper like they painted the blood of the lamb on the door during the Passover and God's judgment passed over. I mean, we could spend the whole night on the hyssop, but then he's going to build the walls of Zion. Then he's going to be accepting the sacrifices. Then we'll have the joy of our salvation. Then we'll be able to teach sinners thy ways. You don't have to sin to teach sinners to be righteous. You have to be forgiven. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask you to work.